0: Well, hello and welcome back to the First Exchange podcast. It's been a minute. I think it's been a couple months. Thank you, coronavirus. But we are back in collaborative studios with episode 35 and we've got a good one for you. Uh, It is me, of course, your host, Lydia Daydahl. And I am back in the studio, as we say. And today's guest, well, let's just say... It's a conversation that we need to have a little bit more. I had Dr Caroline West in the hot seat this, this week. Uh, who is Dr Caroline West? Well, she is a lecturer in sexuality studies in DCU in Dublin. She is a sex columnist with Evoke magazine. She is the host of a podcast called Glow West. She's a PhD in sexuality studies, um, which special, she likes to specialise in women in pornography. Um, she's also got an MA in sexuality studies and she's got a massive passion for sex education in adults or with adults, for adults. Um, and she wants to banish the shame and stigma that we carry into the bedroom and out of the bedroom, especially being Irish and having the repression The burden of Catholicism. (laughs) Take that with a pinch of salt. Um, But I had Caroline uh, on the podcast this week to talk about basically how she got into sexuality studies, all about you know what she's passionate about, and you know talking about stuff like pornography and also consent, social media you know, breaking the stigma, a really great chat. The first time, it's—it's. It's, it's, I not only did I have a, a fantastic chat with her, but it was really educational, really informative, and she's doing some really, really great work. So it was great to get her on. So I think you will really enjoy something very, very different to what you guys are probably used to. Um, so before I let you enjoy the 35th episode of The First Exchange, let me just say... As always, thank you so much to everyone who continues to share so much support um, on the First Exchange social media, on my personal Instagram, on Shane's Collaborative Studio Instagram. The support has been so great, especially in our time away due to lockdown and coronavirus. Loads of messages. I can't wait for you to be back. I'm revisiting old episodes. Who have you got on when, you're, when we're back to, to the new norm and, and different things? So just want to say thank you so much to everyone and if you would like to help grow the podcast and help us to continue to do what we do then please head over to Patreon where you can find the first exchange is profile and for a couple euro a month you can donate to us and help us to continue to put out the podcast to grow the podcast Um, especially in these times where uncertain times, shall we say, we've got so many plans that we want to put in place, growing the podcast, bigger guests, bigger platform, bringing in like live events. There's so much that we want to do, um, but we can't do that without your help. So if you are online now and you've got a spare couple of euro per month, please go to patreon.com forward slash the first exchange and give us a little bit of support. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, So without further ado, let me reintroduce episode 35 with Dr. Caroline West. Hello, Caroline, Dr. Caroline, I should say. Thank you very much. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I'm so, my first guest back after quarantine, lockdown. in in yes. many ways. <laughs> oh, I would just say to Shane before um, that you, we were waiting for you to come in, our last guest was um, a professional boxer called Gary Cully, episode 34. And when he was here, it was kind of like the first week of lockdown and we were like, oh, this place is shutting down, this is shutting down. And me and Shane had, had the conversation, he was like, I think the studio might have to just close down until we see how this is going to pan out i was like ah we'd be grand two three weeks we be back in here nope. four months I'm later <laughs> like first off very quickly how have you been getting on in quarantine before we get started and talk about all things i Dr. didn't Caroline get West. to enjoy quarantine
1: all that much since i caught covid at the start i had all these plans i was gonna write a book i was gonna do absolutely everything and then i spent about Four weeks just watching RuPaul in bed, being sick.
0: Oh, (laughs) well, the RuPaul uh, bit is is (laughs) wonderful. That's at least a a, a good, like a, a little positive cherry on top but you I just said to you when you told us when you came in you're the first person that I've met that I coded I'm yeah I'm quite relieved that I actually haven't met someone who's had it because I was starting to be a bit yeah. tinfoil hatty I was starting conspiracy? to get a bit tinfoil <laughs> hatty I'll tell you but um yeah so you had a bad experience
1: with it for a couple of weeks yeah I think I was sick for almost six weeks and then um started to kind of feel better but even then about three weeks ago I ended up back in A&E because I couldn't breathe again and that's just fatigue so that was fun. Um, not terrifying at all to have yeah. to go in. Because you're hearing all these stories of like, oh, if you're, um, you know, if there's people who are younger than you needing the ventilator, then they get first pick. And yeah. you're like, OK, I hope there's no, like, there's no one younger than me today. You like win and I need a ventilator. You're in there with a fake passport. I'm are 19. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, it, was, it was rough going. And like, it didn't help that like my husband's on the watching CNN all the time going, 15 people
0: died today. And I'm yeah. going, OK, can you turn that off, please? Yeah. Yes. turn uh, throw out your TVs. That's yeah. my that's my motto. Definitely. Except when I'm on the Elaine Show on Virgin Media, uh, of course. And uh, you were so on the Elaine Show last week as well. I saw I, I saw learned. on your social media. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, she does listen to this podcast. Oh, um, but uh, yeah, just watch that on your laptop, throw out the TVs. Um, <laughs> but listen, let's get talking. Let's all things sex. Yeah, way more fun. Way more fun to talk about all things sex. You're the first person that we've had on the podcast to talk about sex. And I will admit, it wouldn't be my... Like, not that I'm uncomfortable to talk about it, but it wouldn't be, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be topical for me. Yeah, yeah. But
1: that's, that's normal. I realize I'm not normal <laughs> yeah which is, I
0: talk about sex, Which is why so I, I want you here, because yeah. I know that one of the things that you're passionate about is taking the stigma out of yes, sex and what happens absolutely. in the bedroom and stuff. So I'm here to learn and be educated. Okay. and Get be, your pen like... out. <laughs> yes, I have it here, I have it here. But let's talk about, you're obviously, you're a lecturer in sexuality studies. Explain to our listeners what exactly that entails and how you got into it.
1: Perfect. Um, yeah, well, I've spent the past year teaching in DCU, in sexuality studies. So the first semester was looking at Ireland sex and sex. So that's basically just misery because we have such an awful history of sex <laughs> in Ireland. The repressed Catholic. Oh, it was like how miserable <laughs> the battle for same-sex marriage was, how mm. contraception was banned. Like the only kind of exciting part was like on sex shops. And even then that was a bit like, you know, look, you're looking at the protests and the praying that happened against sex shops um and then the second part was looking at like language and culture and society and like you know how we speak about groups such as sex workers that kind of thing. Yeah. So that was kind of fun but yeah they came off the back of um being mad enough to a PhD in sexuality studies so that was a labor of love and has just finished in January so Congratulations. Thank you. I can sleep and watch Netflix guilt-free now. So <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. So Wh- why sex thing.
0: studies what got you into this?
1: Um I was a product of I suppose, the 90s in Ireland. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of became a teenager in the 90s and I grew up with the Magdalene Laundry still being a thing. Yes. So, like, I was 14 and they closed down. So I was kind of, like, had that in the background of kind of, you know, if you have act on your sexuality, you may end up in a laundry or this, like, really negative thing will happen to you. Do you know? Sometimes it wasn't named. It was just this specter of, like, mm-hmm. you know, something miserable is about to happen. But then on the same side, I look at, like, the Spice Girls singing about Girl Power and you're mm-hmm. going... OK, well, if I act on girl power, I'm going to have some negative consequences. So what's going on with that? And then if you looked at the media, it was just all like doom and gloom. Mm. And, you know, just it's like the stories of abuse were kind of starting to come out about the church and stuff like. And, and then obviously immediately squashed down. At, at that time so it was just really interesting to see why we were so messed up around sex mm-hmm. you know and why we couldn't talk about it and then at nighttime, I essentially got my sex education from Eurotrash on Channel 4 Ditto. which is like yeah it was amazing
0: it was, Lolo Ferrari oh
1: I, she is an icon like <laughs> so icon. her husband totally murdered her rest in yeah. peace
0: yeah that's yeah. a mad story yeah, poor woman.
1: But um, yeah, I love that because it was like fun and colourful and bright. And mm-hmm. it was like sex is stupid and ridiculous. And it is like it's just yeah. nonsense. It's just like we're bumping body parts and having fun. Like yeah. it's, it's nonsense, but pleasurable nonsense. So I was like, OK, well, they're really happy about it. But over here, we're really miserable about it. And we can't say anything about it or else like you know even like cousin Paul and I was like buying that at the time and it was all like how to give your man a blow job and how to hide your stretch marks during sex no I didn't yeah. know what a stretch mark really was then well but damn like, it I know now I know yeah they <laughs> definitely have that education <laughs> but it was like that thing of like performative sex you know yes. so it was either like you know you had to be super sexy for a man that was the only narrative that was kind of there or else have fun and cool sex like Eurovision or have zero sex. So it's yes. like, okay, where where do you even start? Like trying to figure all that out. So I was, I was like, why are we so weird about this? Like, why mm. can't we talk about that? And then obviously I wasn't verbalizing all this as a teenager. I was yeah. just going, this is a bit weird. And then um, I worked in social care for a long time and with, um, victims of abuse as well. And I was like, okay, this is like a lot more prevalent than we think mm-hmm. is in society. Um, And then I was thinking I'll get back into um, psychology to kind of try and understand, you know, like trauma and why people do what they do, that kind of thing. But then I found out about psychoanalysis, which I hadn't heard of before, just like some memes about Freud or something like that. And that was all about sex. So I was like, OK, let's do that. <laughs> that sounds way more interesting. Yeah. But it was actually just really quite miserable. Again, it was just Freud making all these assumptions about female sexuality. And to be a mature woman, you couldn't have a clitoral orgasm. You had to have a vaginal orgasm. And most women were like... No, Freud,
0: that's not how it works. Yeah, you know? there's a big, big opposition to that where it's usually yeah, the clitoral biology. stimulation, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And it was like 10 years of female psychologists was trying to say, no, you're wrong. And him going, no, 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 I'm right. And a few other men saying, no, you you shush now, ladies. Like, you don't know, we know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, it's a little bit of misogyny in there and that's really interesting. And, and then I got lucky because um, DCU started the Master's in Sexuality Studies. So mm-hmm. I got in on that. And then I was like, "Oh, this is it, like I'm sold now, this is I love this and because the joy of studying sexuality is like it never ends like yeah. as soon as you think you know, even in a fraction of it, there's so much more, and there's mm. so many different ways to have sex and and to explore your body and to identify sexually and all those different things so it's really exciting because it's it's just it never ends so you're always surprised by something
0: so well I imagine it's interchangeable as humans develop and as we have more sexual experiences and social media and all these different things I imagine there is so much more it's just interchanging
1: yeah absolutely like there's so
0: many sexualities that like
1: we mightn't have known about before like asexualities, demisexualities, Mm -hmm. like the narrative about trans people has really changed, you know, genders really, you know, we're catching up a lot more Mm -hmm. on on different languages and different realities. So it's really interesting to kind of see how people oppose that change as Mm -hmm. well and like what that means. And I suppose like studying porn, that was my PhD, was like a really interesting thing because porn is such a great, Visible tool, no pun intended. (laughs) That's (laughs) the joy of sex studies. It's like there's puns everywhere. But like porn tells us about feminism, about gender, about the body, about Mm -hmm. communication, about capitalism, about labor, um, about fear, about genitals, like like everything. So it's just really, and everyone has an opinion on porn anyway, Mm. before you even open your mouth. And that was an interesting experience doing a lot of workshops because you get people who would like just not listen to what you had to Mm. say. And they were going to ask their question that they had in their mind anyway, and you're like, okay, that's interesting. Why you're like you're holding on to this, what you think is the correct knowledge? Yeah. So I was like, well, why is that? Why is your knowledge the correct knowledge, and someone else's knowledge is is wrong? Mm. So yeah, little power
0: battles. I kind like. of. So, so, oh, in what would be your opinion of pornography? So can that's I can I tell you mine? Can I tell you mine before yeah. you start, just to Go give you? It. So mine, I would like I. I Again, I'm here to be educated because I don't know all the fancy terminology, right? But for me, porn is like obviously something that is enjoyable. It's something that, you know, maybe as we we learn from, as we grow, you know, I know I certainly did. Um, So it's an enjoyable tool within within relationships and different stuff like that. And I also find it sort of, um, when I look at the, in particular, the female porn stars, I'm like, how they have transitioned. Sasha Gray was the first porn star that I looked at and she seemed to have her shit together Mm -hmm. and you know the way she transitioned into movies she made this multi-million euro or dollar career and she kind of got her brand back in line with mainstream media over the years so she was kind of the first so I had this thing of like yeah like you know go do it like you know make your money and Mm if it sounds like so sex, but I was like, if men who maybe are the, the, the biggest share of the viewers, if that's what they're into and they're going to pay for you to do that, then so be it. I recently started watching porn again and the, the kind of narrative had changed in terms of there was a lot of storylines like, you know, um, uh, teenage girlfriend's boyfriend comes over and, uh, I'm going to say the word fucks stepmom over the kitchen table. Yeah, a lot you know, of this stepmom stuff at the this moment. Stepmom stuff and stepdaughter yeah. stuff. And I was kind of like, okay, this is uh, not for me. You yeah. know, it's, I, I'm not really going to get off on this. <laughs> also, a major thing that I noticed is that the women are very vocal in terms of expression, it's all kind of like, you know, um, they're very into it, as you would say, where the men are mute. Mm mm-hmm. And don't say anything. Yeah. And they're just there to do the business. They're just penises. Yes. Right. <laughs> so that's my kind of takeaway. Yeah. I'd love you to break pornography well, yeah. down for me. Well,
1: it's all those things and more, mm-hmm. basically. So, like my personal opinion on porn is that I'm perfectly fine with the concept of porn. So the yes. idea of it as in if people want to have sex on screen for money or not for enough money, I'm fine with that. Once it's, you know, and adults, mm-hmm. that's fine. The industry of porn that's where I have little problems with because it's some of the, like the labor conditions, that kind of thing. And some of the messages that are maybe sent out, but I have that issue with everything at Hollywood. I'm fine with Hollywood, but in reality, Hollywood's really toxic as well. Yes. So, you know, you have to study porn in context for mm-hmm. other industries as well. So with porn, yeah, like trends really come and go. Like for ages, like the top selling genre was lesbian porn for mm. ages. And lesbian and massive air bunny quotes, because they're often like two kind of very <laughs> cis pretty femmes with like really long nails. And you're going, that's not really reflective now of like a lot of lesbian experiences, you know, or like just scissoring. And you're like, mm, yeah, there's a bit more to lesbian yes. sex than that. Um, it's a bit of everything. I mean, it, the it. I suppose the word to start with is how you define what porn is. So, mm-hmm. you know, what a lot of what we see as porn is what we see on Pornhub, because that's obviously the most dominant website. But they take, um, you know, content from absolutely mm-hmm. everywhere and stuff. But that's generally what we think of as porn. But there's so much. So we need to be really careful with those definitions because there's power in definition. So if you're only defining porn as violence against women, well, then obviously that's a very particular kind of porn and mm. that's a very particular kind of dialogue. But what about gay male porn? Like, how does that fit that that blanket definition? So you have to expand it more. And then there's queer porn and feminist porn and like OnlyFans is porn now as well. You know, well, parts of it. <laughs> and like camming as well. So it's it's kind of like, what are we actually talking about in that conversation? Because mm-hmm. there are people who say, that they want to ban porn and it's like well what type of porn do you know are you okay with gay male porn or is it just the stepmom stuff or is it like just solo masturbation stuff like yeah. you know where are you going with all that and then I suppose yeah the stepmom stuff I just I find it bizarre because I yeah it's not my thing <laughs> at all um it's just really odd it, it seems like just such a male fantasy yeah but that's the thing you like, know what I, mean? I think it's laziness as well because I think a lot of people were like Oh this seems to be doing well right now we label all the videos as stepmom and you know yes. and then everyone copies everyone else kind of thing and it's just gone yeah I don't know and I don't think most people pay attention to titles either as well yeah. like they're watching because it it's your favorite porn star yeah. or like you'd watch it if it was Sasha Grey but you might not know what the, the titles of the film that she's mm. in and then the films that she would make or well had made she's kind of left the industry now I think she's pretty much gone. Jessa yeah. Rhodes
0: is someone who I've followed as well. Her, yeah. she seems to be very popular. Yeah, absolutely. And but I actually found her on Instagram. I was like, oh. oh, she's so stunning. Like, as in like her pictures are beautiful. She's yeah. like very vocal. She's very, seems very educated. And then I was like following her for ages and then I suddenly realized that actually she's a porn star. But yeah. well, that's a really interesting
1: thing as well because people are like, oh, porn stars must be like, you know, really desperate or they yeah. wouldn't do it if they didn't have any other options. Mm-hmm. So it's, like it's when my researched. and, um, Um, You know, like one of them had a PhD in human sexuality and she was doing it. A lot of them had college degrees and master's degrees. And it's like, not that education is like the sole marker of intelligence, because it's absolutely not. There's so many different ways. But like, you know, we don't often think about the intelligence of the people like they're massive Mm. hustlers as well like they manage their social media they manage their only fans they they manage subscription services and pay sites and all this kind of thing and like market themselves as a brand but we don't Mm. often talk about that because we're just weirded out about porn you
0: know we don't have that conversation i think in in ireland particularly you know maybe catholicism has a massive part to do it as well but i think we sort of look at porn or female porn stars as Um, you know that they're very insecure women that have maybe daddy issues that you know are searching for something Mm. and I'm sure there are cases of that like there is in In everything in every industry (laughs) or you know just human conditioning yeah Um, and then the men are usually just like you know these guys who got really lucky with like a massive dick and like (laughs) basically someone (laughs) just said hey do you know what mate you'd be actually really good at this you know you don't have to say anything just keep stum and just you know play away or whatever the 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 thing is um there are a lot of stereotypes around porn like like, so there's
1: very little research done on the realities of what it's like to be a porn star like mine's one of like five studies actually spoke to porn stars like since the 70s
0: that seems so
1: ridiculous right it's so i I find that like really abusive if you're like saying, oh porn stars are this that and the other and i'm like where's your evidence for that and they're like oh Yeah, I forgot about that part, you know, and you're like, that's kind of important to have if you're Mm. making stereotypes about people. And there's people who will compare statistics from, say, prostitution and say, oh, well, this amount of people got into prostitution at age 13. Therefore, all porn stars must be like that. And you're like, they're completely different industries. Like, so, you know, just because someone has one experience in prostitution doesn't mean they'll have that in porn Mm -hmm. because, you know, different labor conditions and, and everything else. Um. There, there's one study that was looked at, like a lot of people make the assumption as well, that porn stars were abused as children. Mm. Now, growing up in Ireland and what we know now, we know like quite a lot of people were abused as yes. children. So it's like saying, you know, you can throw a stone and say, well, you know, there's a large female population of hairdressers. So therefore, hairdressers were abused as children, Do you yes. know, you can extract, you can say what you want with data and stuff doesn't make it true you know absolutely so there's one study that looked at at that and found that the porn stars at the interview i think it was like 177 women and they had no higher rates of childhood sexual abuse Mm. than the general population now i think that study was pretty crap in how it was carried out as well because the control group were like people in an airport and they were just going up and The third question they're asked were like, "Yeah, were you abused as a child?" And I, if they were asked me, I'd be like, "You can fuck off!" Like I'm not telling you. Like, (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And in Ireland, as we know, like you know. Like, where were women going in an airport on their own? Sometimes they're going off to England to have abortions. Or, you know, if you're going off on your honeymoon, do you really want to answer that question honestly? Yes, so inappropriate as well,
0: right? It's just not the time and the place.
1: Absolutely. But somehow we think it's okay to ask porn stars about sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And and that's fine. And so we look at them as people that have no barriers and no boundaries Mm -hmm. just because we see them naked and having sex. And that's not about them. That's about us Mm -hmm. and how we view... I suppose, entitlement to know people's um, personal history and what we do to people that we think are marginalised or stigmatised as well. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the research in this area I find to be really unethical and all the assumptions that are made, like that study um, about the abuse said, oh, porn performers are a hard-to-access group. And I was like, if I knew, if I was a porn performer... And I knew you were going to ask me about childhood sexual abuse. I'd be like, no, thanks. I don't want to do your study. So yeah. the issue isn't with the porn star. It's with you asking that question. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, why are you entitled to know that information and what are you going to do with it? Because there's a lot of people who campaign for the industry to be closed down. And if they get that those answers, they're like, CC, they're all abused. Like this is terrible. We need to rescue these women and we need to close the industry down. So yes. if I was doing work to put food on the table, I wouldn't want someone to close down my industry. So mm-hmm. You know it's complicated there's so many different layers and stuff there but um yeah ethics i think a lot more academics need a lot more training in ethics is my very polite bc way of saying yeah that's uh, a bit rubbish. <laughs>
0: well, it's a very good point to make. Yeah. Um, you obviously spoke about um, you know, obviously the sexual abuse and the trauma and different things, and that's obviously a, a very stereotypical end to um, pornography and and porn performers, as you say. Um, but let's talk about how uh, your childhood environment shapes you as your your sexual identity as an adult, or with sexual identity, is that what you'd say, or your, it definitely. I don't mean sexual pre- preference. I mean like how we are. E- expressively sexual I don't know please educate me on how you would say it oh, so like yeah uh, you know do, can you see where I'm going with this like how our mm. like how we were raised how our parents viewed sex yeah, um yeah. you know I for example I'll give a story because I love giving a story away and this is really story embarrassing time. but I'll say it anyway <laughs> when I was 17 I moved out of home to the shock horror of my parents um, and they were like it's mm. only for the summer letter just spread her wings we gone." for uh, m- my birthday. My housemates bought me a massive big pink dildo, right? And it was massive and it was a luminous pink and it was gas, right? (laughs) I was so young and innocent at the time. I really didn't really know how to use it, right? I'll be totally honest. But I remember when I moved back home, I had it in my guitar case, and months later, I don't even know. How she found it, but my mom found it and like burst into my bedroom, oh, yeah. and she wielding was it. So literally wielding it, like swinging it in her arms, like going like I can't believe my seventeen-year-old daughter has this disgusting thing in the house. And it was total, you know, uh, you know, Catholic mother. you like the shame, Gosh, the guilt. Yeah. I was, I just couldn't stop laughing. I was like, mom, I was like, stop wielding a pink dildo in my face I was like it was for my birthday it was fun it was just a joke you know and but it's always stuck with me it's always stuck with me and I was like you know I always took back and go what was the big deal yeah. and then obviously as a parent you know probably she doesn't want the idea of her child having sex at 17 or being sexualized in any way so when we look at things like that from her childhood it does it play a part on and who we become as adults or is that just factional or I mean, fictional? I mean, I think it does because if you look at our parents' generation and you look at the sex
1: education that they had, you know, it was either completely missing, like sex education as a, an actual subject in school is only like 21 years old. So, yeah. you know, our, our parents are products of... of silence and then a very conservative society and they grew up with parents who would have had zero sex education mm-hmm. you know contraception was illegal for like their generation and stuff as well the condoms were only technically legal in 1993 I think or the early 90s Do you know and it's it's like the hassle to even try and get pills and all the rest of it yeah. was just like fraught with trauma and secrecy and you know you had to like know a contact you know mm. to try get some condoms or if you needed an abortion you had to like try and contact an underground network of women who wow. thankfully existed that could get you over to England for an abortion but like the key thing in all that is secrecy mm. and that's still kind of there like you know I have a lot of women who contact me and they're like god I, do you know I just don't even know how to communicate with my husband do you know and it's like we've been married like for whatever many years and it's like that's a result of lack of education and mm. the thing, the feeling of like sex being something dirty or something that we shouldn't enjoy or should be kept for a specific circumstance. Or um, once you were married, that was it. You were done and dusted, and sex was just either procreation or just died off. And then, yeah. and then that was it. Mm. So um, I think that culture has led to a lot of negative impacts for women because I think it perpetuates the idea of. Men have sex and enjoy it and women either put up with it or they just kind of battle through it kind of thing. Mm. Like there's no like, you know, conversations about female orgasms as a celebrated joyful thing. You know, Like women can orgasm like nine different ways. Like and most people are like, what? And you can orgasm from like your nipples being touched or from kissing. And Mm -hmm. you're just people are like, "What?" (laughs) that's that's a thing or have multiple orgasms. And we have all this like sexual potential but we just don't really fulfill it because we're so disconnected from our bodies sometimes. And I think that's a general capitalist thing where like women are made to feel crap about our bodies generally anyway, yes. cause that's how products are sold. And, um, you know, you need all these creams and for all
0: your lumps and bumps. Well, if, we, if we're all, all self-loving he- women and we love ourselves and take ourselves for as we are, then a lot of companies are out of business, right? Absolutely. There's a whole industry that's gone yeah. down the, the overnight. If every, If every woman just decided to love themselves as they are, yeah, you'd li- they'd li- but uh, as those businesses die off, all the sex toy businesses
1: would grow. <laughs> so, yes. like maybe it's time for the sex toy revolution yeah. <laughs> to come in. But you know that that's a massive thing of like if you're not connected with your body and you think sex is like either something to be secretive of or shameful of or something you only do to please a man or to boast about with your friends, but you're not really engaging in it authentically. Mm. You're not really going to want to explore your own pleasure so much. And it, it, it's just like it's all that untapped pleasure, which brings joy and happiness and like health benefits, even like masturbation brings a lot of health benefits to people. Yeah. But there's a lot of women who be like, oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't like I wouldn't do that. That's the men just do that. Or like, you know, it's men that just watch porn or um, or they have those stupid little bullet vibrators that really annoy me because they're useless and they're so poor and like one of my friends the other day um i'll name her Shivy because she was like naming everything because i gave her a quote about something so um she discovered the (laughs) womanizer vibrator which is that new form of tech which like uses air suction um you know to make someone come and she was like this has changed my life like i just threw the bullet vibrator in the bin i was like how have you been still using that you've missed out here like here's a whole world of sex toys like let me send you links she's like oh my god like a whole new world and it's like if we were actually a lot more and now she's recommending to her friends and it's like that's the world we should live in it should Mm. be women go oh my god I had 20 orgasms last night with this toy you need to buy this here's the link buy it don't talk to me until you buy it and then helping each other out and like having pleasure just for us regardless of partners regardless of how we're meant to feel about our bodies all the time like it's it's like all those like self care manuals, and it's yeah. like you should drink your water every day, you should eat well, you should go for get your ten thousand steps in. And It's like yeah, you should also have an orgasm or two. <laughs> like absolutely. add that into the conversation. Yes, you know? yeah, for health reasons, like it literally <laughs> like helps decrease stress, your blood pressure mm-hmm. helps you sleep at night, gets rid of
0: headaches. Yeah. I mean, like it's free medicine. Absol- absolutely, absolutely. Is there a misconception um, that men are threatened by? Uh, female sex toys have you found that um
1: I think there's a grain of truth in it but I think any man who has good sex education and is comfortable with himself and wants to actually give women pleasure shouldn't be Mm -hmm. Um, those men do exist thankfully (laughs) Um, but they're just rare sometimes (laughs) unfortunately but yeah I mean I think a lot of guys maybe because they don't get that same sex education Mm -hmm. and they don't maybe necessarily look into what a vibrator looks like in, you know, 2020. They might think it's like some like 10 inch long penis with giant veins and stuff in it. And it's like, you know, thankfully, sex toys have moved on <laughs> for a fair bit now. <laughs> They're quite stylish and sleek looking. Um, and it's just some fun you can bring into the bedroom with. Mm-hmm. But like, we also assume like men know how to have sex. Mm. And like, they don't necessarily because they don't have sex education either. Yeah. They're trying to like probably learn from porn, which is not the best idea because porn isn't sex education. Like mm. those are like trained athletic professionals who are probably having sex over the course of five hours and you're seeing like a five minute clip. Yeah. And you're not seeing all the breaks and everything else. And you're not seeing things like having to inject your penis full of like drugs to keep it hard, all that kind of thing. Yeah, that's S- like, that's a thing. Stop. Yeah. Like there's a porn star. Oh, I forget his name. Chris. Um. Oh, he writes books now. Um, I'll try and think of his name but that's he said he left the industry because he was having to keep injecting his penis no
0: whatever it is way. to keep going
1: yeah and like you can get like penis implants like pumps so if you kind of like tug on your balls like they kind of just like tube in your penis expands so you get an erection and it's like yeah, like that's kind of a thing. So, what you're seeing on porn is not really like reality. That's you are a lot of men's see.
0: new best friends. <laughs> yeah. but like, you know, like, They're like, going to grabbing their girlfriends, listen to this fucking <laughs> yeah. podcast. See, I told you, it's not real.
1: That's <laughs> it. And, like, not like, I'm like, the <laughs> mo- number one tip to guys is, like, don't just assume that pounding for five hours is good sex. Oh, here it come is. On. not. Listen, listen. <laughs> it's definitely not. But that's what a lot of porn teaches us. Yes, because it does. It's just spectacle it's not real life sex and I feel sorry for men a lot because girls a lot of time they, we will talk about sex a little bit like we said like you know you'll recommend a toy to your friends yeah. or something like that whereas a lot of guys you are like oh I like I fucked three girls last week whatever and you're like yeah but was it good what did yeah. you do and you know good sex isn't oh we did six positions in one night you know and it doesn't have to be love and intimacy that kind of sense like it can just be fun but once it's like there's, there's respect and kindness and like fun and they're like your basic building blocks for sex and obviously consent. But yeah, I feel sorry for guys a lot of mm. the time because they need to have positive male role models who will talk about sex in a very accessible way for them and to kind of say, look, here's the reality of sex. And like a lot of sex only lasts for like three minutes for a lot of people. Yeah, And, you know, there's a lot of insecurity around that. And especially if you're watching guys on porn go for hours and hours, allegedly. So I think, yeah, guys need to really... Really be open to conversations about the realities of sex and Mm. different ways to have pleasure and like outside like lads mags, which aren't necessarily the best for sex education. Yeah. So... Yeah, I I think there definitely needs to be a lot more guy sex educators kind of stepping up to the plate, because this is the thing that like all my sex educator friends are Irish, basically, or um, uh, women. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sorry, I came up with that. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, or in Ireland. And, you know, I know like a couple who are doing work, but they're um, generally gay men. So Mm. I'm kind of going, where are the straight men. Like, why? wearing straight men wanting to step up and go lads here's how you have amazing sex yes like there's, there needs to be way more of that because like that's not a bad thing mm. like we need that so yeah there's there's a long way to go still but um i have hope <laughs> there in, will be in there terms in of
0: uh, in terms of um uh, I was going to say doctor in terms, sorry, doctor, but <laughs> oh, uh, doc, Dr. <laughs> Caroline, um, in terms of, you know, removing the stigma from, you know, um, and obviously when like, when we say remove the stigma, I obviously don't mean like, oh, we should be like this, you know, real sexualized, you know, community now where like sex is just everywhere. Like, I don't mean like that. I mean, like, how do we normalize the conversation in terms of like, what can I do to, you know, ensure that I have a healthy view of my own sex life or that i have you know like a healthy sex life i I imagine like what can be done what are the practices that we can adapt
1: so i think we we made a great start with like consent classes so like thankfully they're a lot more normalized now and you Mm -hmm. get a huge mix of genders coming to them so that that's lovely and that and those conversations are normalized a lot more we need to have decent sex education that gives Mm -hmm. people the basics you know beyond biology um I think we need to have better conversations that are calm, like informed and, and just like, again, the, those building blocks of like kindness and respect and consent. You know, we really need to have conversations that focus on those. And that's why I like doing the work that I do is to try and provide that that aspect of things. Um, I think we need to have. I, yeah, a lot more positive role models. I love the fact that like on places like Instagram now, there's so many sex education accounts mm-hmm. that are just amazing. And like some of them remember like twenty year olds and I'm going, Oh my God, I wish I had had that knowledge yes. when I was younger because it would have saved me a lot of like trauma and mm. like wasting myself on like one night stands that were just terrible yeah we've all done it like i was just like you didn't deserve that (laughs) like you were just oh jesus (laughs) well far too much of that but like even like things like following those accounts and trying to learn and you know there's there's people doing amazing work Mm. out there and you know they'll set up a little like 10 um what's it for on instagram when you put up like a multi-post of pictures and you scroll through your 10 photos
0: oh Uh, like a is there a name on it? I don't know. Like on a, on your feed, on your grid. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. you can put up 10 no, photographs in yeah. one post. Yeah. There's, there's probably a fancy word for there's that. There's definitely
1: but. a th- marketing <laughs> yeah.
0: name on that. Something like that, yeah.
1: But, but things like that, I, you know, it's lovely to kind of like have sex education that's accessible straight yes. away
0: like that, you know. And informative and not yeah. like, you know sleazy or trashy or yeah. uh, jokey or you know all these things that people they're might they're very
1: calm and informed
0: exactly and have things like statistics like I know there's a few Irish accounts that talk
1: about SDIs and mm. uh, you know in a very lovely calm way of saying look here's what happens if you have one um here's my story there's um a woman called let's talk stis as her account and she talks about her journey having herpes and it's like mm. it's absolutely fine like it's just it's like coronavirus <laughs> like we'll all probably get it at some point yes, too, or have had around. it or have had i yeah, don't know about <laughs> it and <laughs> but that's the thing it's like it's like banishing shame and like bringing things out into the light like yeah. that it's lovely like how many of your friends do you know that's like oh by the way i had an sti like that's something that we consider to be shameful and it's not it's just like like they're just skin conditions or yes. bacterial stuff or a viral stuff and it's mm-hmm. like it's just like a cold for your genitals basically. yeah absolutely
0: and i yeah. always say there's so much going on with your bodies that we don't know about like you know once i heard about parasites living inside us that was like oh yeah on your eyelashes and stuff yeah they're like, everywhere uh... they're everywhere <laughs> yeah. God damn we're it. generally quite filthy animals <laughs> so. yes, we are we are <laughs> yeah. but let's talk yeah. about if you don't mind consent for a little bit mm. because that's uh, a very it's it's a very interesting topic. I have sat over a glass of wine with my friends, and we've we are blurred with the law. Lo- the the cons- The line of consent is blurred for us yeah. when we look at it in terms of, you know, I, I'll just be. I'll just, there's no point in even beating around the bush. We we'll say, for example. Waking up in the middle of the night and somebody is having sex with you, but you're in a relationship with them, or you know, and it's kind of like a thing where you're kind of half asleep, right? Again, not talking about personal experience, just (laughs) a conversation that I've had. Or you go home with someone and there's that sort of like, you don't know, maybe it's a one night stand and it's all hot and heavy and it's kind of. There is sometimes a dialogue of no, I can't or, you know, and, and sometimes the guy can perceive that as this is like foreplay or a challenge. Or yeah. a challenge. Mm-hmm. And then when is the line drawn? So, <laughs> you know, and then when you read about, we'll say, rape cases that have been dropped especially we'll say in Ireland how difficult it is for a rape victim to bring a case Mm -hmm. to court and everything that they have to go through so you're kind of it's just this whole big thing a bubble, a cloud of like confusion and like shame and all this Mm -hmm. different stuff that's going on and it seems like People like yourselves are doing fantastic work, but there's still not enough no. out there. It Absolutely still needs not. to be broken down, and we need to be educated about it. Yeah,
1: it, it's basically a mess. <laughs> it's a very polite way of saying it. But like, even your example—if you wake up and someone's having sex, you—that's sexual assault. Mm. Like, you didn't consent to that. And if someone's having sex and you're with you, and you haven't like either verbally or physically like consented to that, that's rape. But we're kind of very hesitant to use that term because it's very hard to say. My partner raped me. That's mm. that's extremely difficult for a lot of people to say. And it's kind of easier to, like, ignore it and bury it deep down. And this way, a lot of people, you know, get to their 60s or whatever, and they, they've never told a soul in their life. And they mm. carry that inside. And, yeah, like, we know how terrible the justice system is. So a lot of people are just, just can't deal. They just can't deal. There's too much trauma. They know they're not going to get a lot of help for it. Or, well, they assume they're not going to mm-hmm. get a lot of help for it. And and they just don't have that conversation. But sexual assault is a, an absolute spectrum. You know, at the t- at the far end, you've got like, you know, horrific, really violent. Uh, you know, like, like that kind of thing, or all the way down to like being groped in a nightclub. You yes. know, or even. You know,
0: your ass spanked on like out of the Very in a good example. How many times yeah. have our asses been slapped on nights out? Absolutely. Like I, I don't s- know about you, Shane, but yeah. I, my <laughs> ass gets.
1: <laughs> but that sexual assault, that's someone like touching yes. your body in an intimate enough part that you haven't consented to. Yes. You know, yes. like I stopped going to nightclubs because like, the last time I was in one. I'm also like too old now. But anyway, the last (laughs) time I was in one, like some guy put his hand like actually up my skirt and grabbed my ass. And I turned around and I couldn't figure out. There was like three guys standing behind me and I couldn't figure out which one it was. I, I slap one of them and I don't know if it's the right <laughs> one or not. But like do you know and it's like it was just sport for them.
0: Yeah. It just yeah, them. it's just for it's just kick for the
1: lads. Yeah.
0: And, and obviously we don't we don't want to like talk down on men. Like men are fantastic. I'm I'm yeah, men's biggest fan, but yeah. there are some men out there that They need to
1: have that conversation
0: with their friends. Of course yes.
1: if your friend is going out to a nightclub and sexually assaulting women. You need to have that conversation with them. It can't just be women going, "Can you stop assaulting us?" It needs men pulling up, pulling up your bro, your bros and going, "That's not okay to do that to mm-hmm. women." It's not locker room talk. It's none of that stuff. It's like call it what it is. Like it's sexual assault, yes. which can cause a lot of trauma to people. Um, like yeah, like uh, the issue I think a lot in Ireland when it comes into it is like the issue of alcohol. Because we're heavy drinkers, like we're functional alcoholics as a nation, as we see from like the pubs just opening back up and (laughs) everyone ordering like 15 shots to (laughs) drink in like half an hour, and you're just gone, (laughs) Jesus. But like, you know. That blurs the boundaries for a lot of people sometimes. And we've talked about that in some of the consent classes of, you know, if Mary has nine shots and John has nine shots and, mm. and they have sex, but they've never, neither of them say it, you know, is that sexual assault? And it's like, well, they're kind of flirting with each other all night, mm. you know, and he took out a condom and she kind of like winked at him. So it's like, OK, well, they're like body language clues. That's kind of fine. But we need to like expand that conversation to go, well. It's not the case of like you need like a um, a, like a what's room for like a legal letter or something to say, you know, are you committing to this like sign yes or sign no, you know, because consent can always like that's not sexy, but also Mm. consent can be revoked afterwards and you might agree to one part of sex, but not to another and that's fine. But we need to just, like, normalise those conversations and and asking for consent can be really hot as well. It's like, hey, do you like it if I do that little thing? Consent is sexy, isn't that the slogan? It is, like, (laughs) and it absolutely is. And it's not like, oh, do you mind if I touch you there? Do you mind? Like, you know, like, if that's how you're asking for consent, you're doing something wrong, you know, it's like you can sex it up a bit. And, you know, but we need to also look at, like, how we still talk about victims of sexual assault as well. And I, I think a lot of us think... The, of the two main responses like the fight or flight kind of mm-hmm. response but there's also people who freeze and then because they're just like what do I do like mm. I don't know what to do I don't know what's going on or else they fawn which means like they kind of just go I'm going to do what's easiest for me to do to, yes. in order to make this situation go away the quickest it can and they might kind of be like, OK, I'm just going to go along with this, yeah. and, you know, please them in order to like stay alive mm. or, you know, have the minimal amount of harm committed. And that's really hard for a lot of people because you don't know until you're in the situation how you're going to react. And there's probably other reactions as well, but we just we don't talk about sexual assault. So we're mm. still learning about it as well. So it's definitely a conversation that we need to keep happening. It needs to happen in the context of recognizing that we abuse drugs and alcohol in this country mm-hmm. and that has to be part of the conversation of how do you have sex when you're stoned and how do you have sex when you're drunk yeah. and drunk sex can be amazing, that's fine you know, it's just the consent part <laughs> needs yes. to be absolutely part of it Um, and you know, the how we talk about victim blaming definitely needs to be dragged kicking and screaming into the 25th century not even alone this century because we're still shit at it but like you know looking forward and that we're never saying well she shouldn't have had that much to drink and well you know she shouldn't have worn that and all that stuff that needs to be absolutely left in the dark ages and like refocusing the conversation and going it's not like why did she stay or why didn't she fight him off it's like you know why did they choose to rape that person Mm -hmm. that's where the conversation really needs to be and recognising that men can be victims as well. Um, and, you know, trans people, non-binary people, everyone can be a victim or a perpetrator as well. Mm-hmm. It, it's statistically, the biggest perpetrators are men on women, but that doesn't
0: mean to say, you it know, doesn't not happen reverse. The other yeah. Do we need to look at, um, I know we're nearly closing at the end of time, but do we need to look at the role of social media when it comes to, what is it called? Revenge porn? Is that what the title I, That's
1: the... Sh- trendy shorthand i use image based sexual abuse which is a bit more of a mouthful but it actually reflects what it actually is like you're using sexual images to cause harm to someone else yes. you know and revenge porn kind of sounds really cool and trendy and um you know it's glamorized it's very glamorized yeah. and it, it almost implies an element of consent in it or victim blaming you know mm. and it's like either sometimes th- that content Itself wasn't consented to being filmed or it was consented to be filmed, but just between the, the person mm. um, or the two people involved or whatever it happens to be. But yeah, it's like using that image to cause harm to people, either through blackmailing or say or just like embarrassing someone else or you know it's it's just one of the really cruelest things that people can do Mm. and I really hate that narrative of like well don't take naked pictures then
0: yes or or don't send them or don't let that person film you and you should be able to take naked pictures if you want like you know
1: if you're looking hot enough you're like yeah that's fine (laughs) but you have to look at the other person and go why do they think that it's acceptable to break your trust and why do they think it's acceptable to cause someone else such harm why do they think it's okay to commit a form of sexual violence Mm. and they're the questions that need to be answered because it's too easy to go well shouldn't have done that and then we don't really think about it then we're just like spouting off this stupid stereotype rather than go why is my friend um committing sexual violence Mm -hmm. you know or like you know or my son or something like that and it's like we need to like refocus that back and have that conversation. Mm. Going, what's going on? Like, with people and doing this. And the
0: people who are in will say the WhatsApp groups or the Instagram, you know, group we need chats. To call it all out. And they feel because there definitely is men and women that are, are in the situations that don't say it and are like, oh god, that's a bit like full on. Like I know guys. Thankfully, they're now close friends. But I know of people who filmed women from behind on nights out, like on Snapchat, like and send it to the lads and different stuff like that. Being like, "Oh, getting my hole this weekend," you know. Um, I've also known like young young men and women that film each other giving oral sex that gets shared amongst like group chats. Like that, to me, is. Life is, being a teenager is hard enough. Yeah. Being a young adult is hard enough not to have. I can't imagine growing up and that being, yeah. you know, something hanging on top, over, hanging you, know. over yeah. you or that, that threat. Or yeah. then we have to look at the pressure that maybe young men and women are under to perform in that yep. sort of yeah. way as well, you know.
1: But that's a, it's a fundamental conversation about kindness. And again, I'm, I'm always like, it's like my slogan now. But it is, it's, it's like if we actually educated people from a really young age of saying this is how we relate to people and we treat other people with kindness and respect so if that's instilled in people in a very young age by the time people become teenagers and sex gets involved like you should have a very healthy understanding of if I do this this is going to cause harm to another person so I won't do that Yes, uh, like it's such such a basic thing mm-hmm. of going, you know, we shouldn't choose to be abusive to someone. Mm-hmm. And it is a choice to do it. And what you are doing is being abusive and you're committing a form of violence against someone and you're, you're causing harm and you're causing trauma. And we need to look at why some people think that that's acceptable behavior and how we can educate people and like what healthy relationships mm-hmm. are and like why we do this to each other. Yes, it's, it's not OK. And like, why are we in a society where like, Harm is fun and entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a real problem. And I don't think the question or the answer to those questions are easy. Like they're not easy conversations, but they're not simplistic either. There's multi layers Mm. behind everything. But like, why not start now and and just like start picking all that apart and you know no time like the present,
0: absolutely. We have a lot of um listeners that have young children, and um, that they're you know, these are, are men and women that are in their 30s, 40s, so they're they're starting their families. And you know, I would imagine growing up in Catholic Ireland in the 80s, and 90s, there probably wasn't a conversation you can safely assume there yeah. wasn't too much of a conversation about sex or he- having a healthy sex life. What advice would you give to people who are raising families now or who have young siblings and that are get, going to find themselves in these situations where they're going to start exploring their sexuality and, and engaging in, in hopefully healthy sex lives? I think really starting at a very young age, like emphasising
1: the whole consent part of like, you know, we don't pull other girls' hair, you know, to show them we are affection. <laughs> yes. Or we ask for consent if we want to hug someone or ask mm-hmm. them if they want a high five instead or, you know, not forcing kids to hug your weird uncle and yes. <laughs> all things like that, you yes. know. So you're recognising bodily autonomy as well i often th- i also think like it's really important to teach the correct terms for genitals so mm-hmm. like it's a vulva it's not a front bottom or anything like that which leads to confusion when you're growing up but like if you're empowering kids to like call their testicles their testicles you know you're kind of a you're protecting them as well because if someone touches something unconsensually they're able to say, well, that person touched me here and they mm. know what healthy touch is and they know what wanted touch is. And, you know, they have a little bit more autonomy and the hope is that, you know, they can tell someone, you know, that that's happened to them because yeah. that's a conversation that we need to have as well. But when they're older, the fact that like, you know, you haven't referred to like like a third of their body as like their privates or their downstairs or this mysterious area. Mm. Like they have more of a sense of autonomy as well and, and connection with their body as well. And it takes that shame and stigma out of it of mm. gone. Oh my my down there and like so how do you communicate when you're exploring a relationship and going well actually I like to have my clitoris rubbed really softly or um you know with, with a big pressure or whatever it happens to be like if you're mm-hmm. just going uh, just in my, my pants you know yeah. it's like you can't you can't communicate mm-hmm. properly that way and communication is really key for a healthy sex life as well and. Yeah, I think just not shaming um, kids and, and finding good sex education. Like, thankfully, um, you know, of um, Sarah Sproul as well. She's doing great work with parents mm-hmm. in Ireland to support them to talk to their kids about porn and sex. Um, not not so much porn, but like just sex overall yeah. as such. Um, so she's a great resource. And then when they're a bit older, there's the pornconversation.org. That's... Um, Erica Lust has that, and it's like you know, age seven, you can have this conversation. Age nine, you can have this, con- mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, you can adapt that to whatever level your kids are and stuff. But conversation is key, and yeah, just trying to banish that shame and stigma because, like, you know, if we grew up that silence, and look, mm. look at the society that we're in now. You know, it's like it didn't work. You know, yeah. and, and there's a lot of unhappy people, and yeah, and like, I think like fighting for things like decent sex education and consent classes and like conversations as well about like healthy relationships Mm -hmm. you know i'm hopefully teaching a few of the universities um this year like workshops on healthy relationships because like we have such an astonishingly high rate of domestic violence in ireland and it's just like shockingly high and and like and not even like going to that level even the healthy relationships of like you know is your child pressuring someone else to send them naked pictures of Mm. themselves and like you need to have that conversation with them of going why are you doing that? And, you know, explain to them, like, why that's not an OK thing to do, because they're either going to do it or they're going to hear about their friends doing it or it's going to happen to them or, you know, they're not going to make it through unscathed. you know, mm-hmm. from or like yep. totally in a little bubble about this. So, you know, awkward conversations, but necessary ones, I think, to have. So, yeah, I think talking is the only way to break through it. It's Definitely. not the, like, for everything. Mm-hmm. Communication is key. Absolutely. And it, But it's hard, you know, yes. and it is hard. to. And I appreciate that. And But it's okay to be awkward about it. Yeah. Do you know, it's just once the conversation's kind of happening. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank, you. Thank you so much. <laughs> what a chat. Thank I love you. it. Before you go, very quickly, do you feel <laughs> like you found your purpose in what you're doing? Like, do you feel like this is your why you were here and this is what you're meant to do? I think so I didn't this was my
1: goal as such I suppose I didn't really know what I was going to do when I grow up or anything yeah. like that I wanted to be an astronaut when yeah. I was a kid this is very different like but there's more maths involved in yeah. physics so I can't do that but yeah I really enjoy it because I get a lot of feedback from people who are saying oh thanks like someone yeah. read this week's column in Evoke and then left me a voicemail and gone, can I ask you a question about that and I was able to go oh yeah it's grand here's tips yeah. and, I, and they are like thank you and it's just it's just lovely to be able to kind of go so... <laughs> You know, here's some information
0: and mm. ha- have a happier life, and yes. it's like, yeah, that's yeah, nice. It's very refreshing. You're, you're providing yeah. a service to society, <laughs> yeah. you're informing us all. I definitely learned loads, so thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you so much. And obviously, yeah. as you mentioned, you have your article in Evoke, which is brilliant. I love Laura Birmingham and all the crew thank in Evoke, you. they're wonderful. Yeah. Um, but also, you have the Glow West, which is your new yes. podcast. Let's plug this very quickly before we day's. let you go.
1: Yeah, it's my tiny baby so far. We're only um, episode 13 came out the other day, but again it's born out of this need to have conversations around sex so it's really lovely to be able i mean like we've talked so far about being trans about sexual violence about orgasms about uh, like being an lgbt asylum seeker and it's like I've just had enough of the, the silence and the shame and the stigma. Mm-hmm. So I love that I can create this little space where we can have conversations. And, you know, I, 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 my particular area, I'm not interested in sex ed for kids, but mm. I'm interested in sex ed for adults because you can swear a lot more and have a lot more gin. That's yeah. <laughs> like way more fun, you know, and talk about a lot more adult yes. activities. So that that's lovely to kind of have that as a thing. And then, you know, we're going to do live events whenever um, we're allowed to be around other humans properly again. <laughs> Yeah and you know do different things like we're going to read out like bad erotica on, on instagram and stuff Brilliant. Like that. so it's just That's fun and fun. yeah it's like trying to recreate your trash a little bit maybe <laughs> yeah i love <laughs> yeah. that
0: i love that an iconic memory from my teenage years for sure for sure and i know obviously we we touched on loads of different stuff in this podcast but the, the a big part will be like the lbgtq um the rise of the lbgtq community in ireland for one. so anyone that listens that wants to hear more definitely go to the glow and and hopefully we'll get you back on down the line and we can, absolutely. I'm sure there'll be loads more developments within that, and especially yeah. with, you know, the the rise of transgender among young people and different things like that. So yeah, fantastic. Um, looking forward to like, congratulations on your success so far and looking forward thank to seeing how, how brilliantly the podcast does. And thank you so much for coming in. Mine. Thanks for having me. It's
1: great, like again, to take any opportunity to yes. talk about sex in Ireland yes. and hopefully make someone happy listening. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely, know, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was good, good fun. Thank you so much. A very educational, formative as well. Uh, Dr. Caroline West for the first exchange podcast. Hold up.